Hola y bienvenidos a Peruvians of USA, peruanos de Estados Unidos. Un podcast en español, inglés y spanglish donde compartimos las diversas historias del inmigrante peruano. Mi nombre es Natalie Sofía y soy una chica peruana que vive en los Estados Unidos por más de 20 años. Welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast in Spanish, English and Spanglish where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. My name is Natalie Sofia, a fellow Peruvian living in the U.S. for more than 20 years. So let's get started. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Welcome, Delia, to Peruvians of USA. I am so happy you're here today. Uh, please introduce yourself to our uh, audience. Hi, Natalie. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so so oh, I also want to say I'm so proud for you doing this. I think it's bringing a lot of attention to other Peruvians and connecting with other Peruvians and share the stories and how we're similar um, in some type of way. Uh, my name is Delia Rios. I was born in Lima, Peru. I moved to the U.S. at age 13. Uh, didn't know any English. Maybe I took one class, um, but it was very minimum. So I arrived here not knowing anything. I was so lost. Um, it was it was very difficult, but I, I think at the same time, it helped me to really grasp the language as fast as possible. Um, I, um, after 13, I, uh, I went to John F. Kennedy High School in Patterson, graduated from there in 2004. And right after that, I went to Rutgers University for five years where I majored in industrial systems engineering. Um, currently, uh, living still living out just between Patterson and Torwa, still in Jersey, um, 30 minutes away from the city. I work in the city as a quality assurance uh, manager. And besides that, uh, I like to travel a lot. I've been traveling. My first trip right after college was to Costa Rica, one of the best trips because it was unplanned and we just went with the flow. I went with three of my good friends. And besides traveling, I enjoy dancing a lot. I've been doing Zumba um, for almost 10, 11 years. And recently started taking salsa, even though I know salsa, recently taking the New York style that's called salsa on two. And that's what I am. Get confused a little bit between that one and two. But I think I'm managing right now. And it's, it's really fun. That's, that brings me joy and right after work, um, because of COVID, it's difficult, but I found classes that are, you know, you can dance outside and it brings me joy to finish work and then just go around to my class. It's so fun. And recently met some uh, ladies in the class and um, I think they're my friends. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy that you found an outdoor um, salsa class because I know how much you enjoy dancing um, and like COVID kind of threw everybody's hobbies um, out the door. Yeah. So yeah, we I think it's very important for all of us to find those little things that brings us joy. I know for me, when I found a CrossFit gym that was uh, that had a lot of ventilation and had a just like open door sort of style was also something that brought me a lot of joy. But before we continue, I do want you to um, share the story of how we met because we actually are friends in real life. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> and, we and we have met. Um, so, but I want you to share that story with the audience. Okay. So, uh, my memory maybe was 2008 
I think between 2008 and 2009, around that time, I did an internship at GE in Erie, Pennsylvania, up, up there. And I met this girl, really nice girl. Her name was Joyce. And we shout out to Joyce if she listens. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Joyce. <laughs> I know, we love you, Joyce. We'll connect soon. <laughs> um, and she, they put us into, they gave us housing, which was a small community college. And they put us there for the summer. And it so happened that her room was right, I mean, her apartment was right next to my apartment. And we became friends like that. And also like during, we'll take the bus together to go to work, to our internship. And one day we started talking and I told her, I mean, everywhere I go, I always, in maybe <laughs> sometimes I'm annoying. I always like say, I'm Peruvian, this and that. I came to the US. My friends, if they listen, they would be, they're gonna be like, okay, she, again, the Peru story. <laughs> but I, everywhere I go, I always, I don't know, it's just a stamp of like who I am. So I always, I'm so proud of it. So we met Joyce and I thought her was Peruvian. And then she told me one afternoon, oh, my friend is Peruvian too. I want you to meet her. And I said, okay, oh, but that'll be cool. And then, but I thought in my head, we're gonna meet in person or she's gonna arrange something because I know at the time she lived in, in New York, I think in Brooklyn. And one, one afternoon she comes and she, I guess she must have been speaking to you. She comes and knocks on my door because it was right, right next to each other. And she says, Delia, so remember I mentioned that I had a friend named Natalie from Peru and I was like, yeah. She said, oh, she's on the phone. Do you want to talk to her? <laughs> and I, I, I was kind of like, okay. I mean, to me, I mean, at that time, I was like, okay, this is, this is a little weird, but she's saying like, oh, you want to meet her? And I was like, sure. And that's when, you know, I met you. And I think at the beginning, it was like, hi, my name is this. But then we started talking and you just, I think we kind of like, we, we stood on Joyce's phone for like maybe like an hour <laughs> just talking yeah I, yeah I think I remember like we're like oh wait yeah this conversation was with Joyce at the beginning <laughs> she, she was probably waiting for her phone <laughs> I know but it was like it was I think at the time at that point we said we're Peruvians that's when we connect and we just started probably about me like oh okay okay we'll meet we should meet that soon and then we eventually met yeah, I love that story because um, I think one, it, it, is, it speaks to the fact that um, as Peruvian immigrants who come to the U.S., sometimes we feel like, um, you know, sometimes we feel like we're not at home and like we're not with, the, with our people, right? So whenever yeah. you see another Peruvian, you tend to get excited. You tend to, they're like, I don't know, treat them like you're a, they're a long distance cousin or a neighbor that you haven't seen Um but yeah, I love that story. And I think the first time we met up, we met up in New York. And I remember you telling your sister, oh yeah, I'm going to meet this stranger that I met, that on, the I met phone. on the phone. And I even told my my parents too, when I asked them, when I tell them, oh, I'm going to meet Natalie when you're in New York or like today. They're like, who's Natalie? Remember that friend that I met over the phone? They're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. And I think what must have happened, and maybe Joyce, uh, you know, will tell us different. Um, she did probably mention you on the phone on the call when I was with 
talking to her because um, Joyce and I went to the same undergrad. We went to Smith College and we were, we lived in the same house at Smith and that's how we met. Um, and eventually we became roommates when we lived in Connecticut. But um, she probably mentioned you on the phone and I said, oh yeah, you know, like, let me talk to her. And I think I maybe, I think maybe I thought you guys were roommates. And so you'd be like next to her. I didn't oh, think okay, she was okay. gonna like go and knock on your door. <laughs> I know she didn't. Well, usually, I don't know if, it, it, I mean, it, she could have knocked, but like also it was summer. So we kept our doors open. So she might just like walk in and I mean, it's still like, hey, Delia, do you want to talk to Natalie? And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm silly. glad, I mean, I'm happy, you know, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have met you. And, yeah. And yeah. we've known each other for 12 years plus. I yeah. Think. yeah so it's, it's a long time. Yeah. It's been a long, long, a long time. time. Um, so I want to circle back to um, your professional experience because I do want to want you to um, share that with our audience. You said you were an industrial assistance engineer when you, you majored in industrial assistance engineer when you were um, at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I guess what made you um, major in engineering and then how did you get to be uh, a quality assurance engineer? Um, so first <laughs> my dad is an engineer too <laughs> so and my mom is a teacher so I think math in my household math has always been like the point to go even moving to the U.S. we didn't know the language so math was the go-to. My siblings are actually engineers too all, all of them even the little one is starting a double major, computer science and electrical. So we always have math in us. And because my dad was an engineer, I, I think by default, that's what we we're going to go with. Um, I think my mom wanted us to be teachers and we didn't really <laughs> fulfill that, none of us, the four of us. So yeah, that's, that's how I became involved with math. And in coming to this country, math was the only subject that um, I could excel at because anything else I didn't understand. I didn't know the language. And, you know, going to Rutgers, I was actually going to do biomedical. And that was, I, I love bio. And when I went to Kennedy and I thought that, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to do biomedical. But coming from the school system in Patterson, making the big jump to Rutgers, it, Rutgers for me was very difficult. And especially taking chem- chemistry I took in high school was nothing compared to the chemistry I took at Rutgers. And yeah, to say the least, after I took chemistry, I said to myself, no, I don't think biomedical is for me. <laughs> and so I, that's when I, luckily in the first year, you're able to decide, you're, you don't decide your final major until like the end of the first year. So it gave me a little bit of room to really see what else I wanted to do. And I was, when I, when I look into industrial engineering, what I liked of it was that it's also almost more business type and you combine sort of all the engineers and really look at it, a process improvement. And that's what made me go into it and eventually graduate with industrial system engineering. Even though at Rutgers, the industrial, our, uh, our major industrial system is actually, it was, I don't know if it still is, but it was a branch of mechanical. So we had to do a lot of projects that were involved mechanical. So it's, I know sometimes all the other engineers make fun of industrial engineers because they say like imaginary engineering, but- I heard that, I heard that It too. is hard, especially <laughs> at Rutgers. And any Rutgers alumni that you talk to, they're gonna tell you that they went through hell when they had to do the final design project. Because I remember staying at the lab until four in the morning, trying to code 
which I only took like two coding classes and it was so hard. And when I talk to other students, other uh, universities, they, they don't, they, their final thesis is going to a company and like, you know, doing a process improvement on a project for the big company. For us, we had to build a machine and we built it. And I can send you pictures after in a video. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, no, I definitely have heard that joke before. And I, I mean, engineers still engineering, so. <laughs> I know, we still have calc, okay? We still take up to calc four. And we still have to take an electric engineering class, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no. it's not, it's not, that's, it's not as easy as people think it is. Mm -hmm. It's not like business. Just make it that clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny in my school, uh, sometimes they would say like those that um, end up majoring in business uh, were former engineer majors. Uh, so it's just funny because I, I started as an engineer as well. Eventually I moved to the business side, not in undergrad, but um, yeah. You went, yeah, you went through the whole hill. I mean, oh yeah, lab, yeah, like, yeah, like hours or staying overnight in a lab. Yeah, that's no fun. <laughs> I know, it's, it was very hard because our, also our professor, I think it was the hardest class in all my, Peers will agree, but that was a class that taught us the, mo the most because we had to present every two weeks in front of the whole class, our progress. And our professor was very tough. I don't want to say name because, you know, just in case, but people will know who he is. <laughs> he was very tough. And if you, know, you had to present in front of the class and if you didn't deliver what he liked, he will put you in the spot and tell you that's not how it is. And, you know, you're how old was I like 18, 19? It, it's, it's difficult because you're just learning, I guess, about life and you're in front of the class. And if you don't do it right, you call someone calling you out right on the spot. So it was tough. I mean, I feel like everybody in the class was such in a lot of stress to get the project right because he just had big ideas and just said like, here, you need to make this machine. And he had, I mean, I guess to him it was doable, but to us it was, oh my God, what are we going to do? And, but I mean, I think at the end, you know, I got a B plus or an A, I think, but so. Hey, you got the, your degree. You got your degree. I got the grade. <laughs> I got the grade. And I was like, I'm done. He wanted us to present at regionals. Oh, wow. Day, and we were like, nah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> so talk to me about uh, your path to Rutgers, actually. Like, Oh, my Rutgers. Um, I had applied to three schools. I applied to Stevens, which uh, is Stevens Institute of Technology, which is a private school in Hoboken. I applied to NGIT and Rutgers. I got into the three of them. What it really came down was the money. And because Steven being a private school, it's it, when I look at how much they were, I had to pay out of pocket, it was ridiculous. And you know, and especially, and I know you have also brought it up in the past, like the amount of money that people owe after graduation is insane if you don't get the help, you know, from financial aid, from scholarships. So, I mean, I interview everything with Steams. I really like it. I love the campus. And I mean, I think you've been to Hoboken. I love Hoboken, but it was just too expensive. I, I mean, I would have graduated with like thousands and thousands of, you know, debt. Um, then NGIT, I liked it, but for me, the deal breaker was that my mom, I really wanted to live on campus, first of all, 
So my mom told me, well, if you go to NJIT, you can take the bus every day. And I said, no, I want to live on campus. And she's like, no, you've got to take the bus. So then that left me with Rutgers because that was a decent amount. I'm not going to take the bus. It would take me like two hours to get a Rutgers in a bus. Uh, so, and plus I had a, at that time, and I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about it maybe a little bit. At that time, I didn't know about Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. I just knew about it, it came a program to my high school that said something, I think about Latinos in council, Latino council or something like that. And they actually took us to one of the campuses to stay for two days. And they had a lot of programs planned for us. And when I went to the program, I really like how Rutgers was built. You have, I don't know, have, have you been to Rutgers? I don't know no, I haven't actually. <laughs> you should go it's really fun <laughs> but what I, I like the design of it because you have five little campuses and it's like its own city so you have buses that take you from campus to campus nice so I thought that was really cool you know like it's like you have even though it's between New Brunswick and Scottaway you really have that sense of a little town so I really like that and I love the classes and I love the people. So then that's when I made a decision. They really want to come to Rutgers and the engineering program is very good too. So, and it was the school where I was going to come out with the less steps out of the three. Yeah. And that's, um, so I, I mean, it's important and I'm actually very impressed that you were mindful of that, that early on, because I know there's so many stories of people just saying like, well, I'm just going to get the loans and, you know, get an education and whatever they, whatever school they want to go to without any consideration to, to the amount of debt that you could come out. So you came at the age of 13 and you went through middle school and high school. Um, like how was that process of applying to college for you? Because you're the first in your family to go yeah. to college in the U.S. So, yes. and how did you learn about like FAFSA and, oh, girl. and scholarships <laughs> and things like that? Oh my God, okay. Going to sophomore year in high school. Um, I knew, first, I knew I had to go to college because both of my parents went to college in Peru. So that was a given. Um, and then in sophomore year, I first didn't know I had to apply like you had to start like looking already in sophomore so at one time a counselor comes in and he starts talking about the SATs and I I in my mind I think I still was caught up on the PSAT so I said like I want to take the PSAT and I when I went to my counselor because I mean I had no idea you know my mom knew my mom and my dad knew about the process, but back in Peru, not here. So here's like very different. And he, he told me, okay, you want to take the PSAT? And, and she said, okay, what grade are you in? And I said, I'm a sophomore. And they said, you're too late. Like you have to go straight on SATs. You cannot take the PSAT. Like you should have taken that last year. And I said, what? Like, Wait, so maybe I'm just forgetting, but exactly what is the PSAT? I don't remember. I think it's like a preparation for SATs. Oh, like, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. take it like. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. You take it. Yeah. Yeah. The pre-SAT, you take it before. I mean, I guess now, like, maybe that's not no longer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We're, from, like, the, we're from the generation of 1600s. <laughs> Storm <laughs> Storm <laughs> <Max>. <laughs> Now, 
That was like 2000 something. I don't know what's yeah. that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what they do nowadays. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and okay. So they told me you had to go to the SAT. And I said, okay. And took the SATs. Did, I don't think I, the first time, I don't think I did good enough to like apply. So I had to retake it. And the next time I did better. Obviously, the math really like saved me because language was like, no, no. I mean, I think I could write it, but even then, I, I struggle a lot with the language part. But I, I, I think it got better when I was a sophomore. Um, then took it, and I, I really have to thank my counselor, Mrs. Leather, that I pretty much lived in the guidance uh, counselor room because she in always and. You probably remember back in the days we didn't have like online the scholarship so we had a binder that you go down to the guidance counselor room and really go through all the scholarships that we, you will apply to so did that she helped me with my bio in you know the whole application process if it wasn't for her and i really have to give a lot of things to her i don't think i would have known what to do i mean my mom didn't know what to do um so that was kind of like process and applying as many scholarships as I could and, you know, to, to get to Rutgers and being mindful, like you said, that my parents weren't gonna, that, that was my goal too. Like, I feel like as growing up and you probably feel the same way too, it's like, you wanna give back to your parents. You don't wanna keep asking them. And I think that's a difference for Latinos that we are very mindful that, you know, we are, if we are grown ups and, you know, we're making money, we really wanna give back. I don't wanna, be that burden to my parents to have to pay for X, Y, and Z because for us, they already raised us and, you know, legally after 18, they could be like, bye, <laughs> you know, so, and, and that helped me. And, you know, I, that's what I said at the beginning. I think it's very crucial to build a good network and people that are going to help you along the way, because I mean, other counselors don't, they don't help you. They just say like, here are the guidelines and you fill it out. And she told me about everything, even the application waiving that, you know, you don't have to pay for this, apply to this scholarship, any scholarship that I could um, qualify for, she would send me. And you know, got to Rutgers, it was fun. It was the best, for me, Rutgers was the best time. I was very, very, believe it or not, I was very, very shy in high school. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to cut that one away, I was very shy. If I had like four friends, that's about <laughs> All right, everybody, she's not shy right now. <laughs> but, but I used to be. I know. <laughs> I think being, a, and that's why I'm so grateful for Rutgers, I think really opening me up to how I was prior to coming to the U.S. I think coming to the U.S. and not knowing the language really put me, really closed me. And when I went to, to Rutgers and knowing the language, being more confident of speaking and really, I think that that made a big difference and psychologically and it might not be my only story. Maybe other people that feel the same way when, because you're not comfortable in that, that. It's a different language, so you're not comfortable being yourself. You're always second guessing, oh, what am I gonna say? And even or translating, which I mean, sometimes I still do, but now it's just the worst is flow now, so it's better. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that something that you bring up is it's it's very true, but also like the fact that you uh, you were 13, you were a teenager, right? And so. 
that and and I've said this in pre in other episodes where uh, a teenager in Peru to me and maybe this is you believe the same thing just feels a lot older than a teenager here. So like if you were thirteen in Peru, it's almost as if you were like fifteen, sixteen here, yeah, and was. so you're like aware of your surroundings you want to I don't know be hip and cool and like now you're stuck not knowing the language and feeling judged because of not knowing your accent so that's all very yes I think the you put it perfectly I think the accent was what played I mean in back in in Peru in in the escuela primaria I was brigadier which is like a leader like you know like I was the one I think it's called patrol here or something. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, like I was the one, like when we had to make, you know, in las actuaciones tienes que, tienes que leer una historia and they pick someone from, you know, from, from your grade. I will always be like, I want to, I want to speak, you know, I want to, I want to perform. And I was always like the one and coming, that shift of coming to the U.S. and not knowing a language and now like unfortunately getting F's because I didn't know the language. So what am I supposed to do? The only class I could get an A was in math. So it was it, it was a shock. I mean, I did not want to go to school. I hate school because for me, it's like, I, if I want to go to school, I want to succeed. But if I'm coming and I don't know the language, solamente estoy yendo a calentar el asiento, that's it. <laughs> so right. I, yeah, it, it was it was hard. Yeah, and also you mentioned you gave props to the career counselor that helped you. And and yeah, definitely for sure, giving props to any career counselor, to any teacher, to any mentor that's out there that sees the student asking questions, being confused. But I also want to give you props because it takes um it takes a person like it it's a quality to be brave enough to ask for help and it's, uh, you know, like you were interested enough in your future to say like, I don't know this. Let me go to the career counselor and ask questions. And you mentioned you lived there, right? I know. And, yeah. and <laughs> it's funny because like, I actually literally lived in the, in the career, in the career center of my high school, because, you know, I had it very clear early in high school that my parents were not going to pay for my college education and not necessarily because they were like we don't want to pay it's just they couldn't they could not pay it was was not it was it was not within their budget and so I could have you and I could have sit and complain and be like oh well I'm not going to college Mm -hmm. but I think it I think you took it a step farther you were like all right I don't want to be this burden to my parents so I'm going to find out figure out a way to how to fund my education. And so I do want to just highlight that because I I think you and I think is think that of course everybody does this, right? This is the this is the no, logical yeah. thing to, but no, like I've come no. to know that not, people don't do that. Sometimes people, you know, perhaps see an obstacle and they're like, oh well, I can't do it then, you know. No, um, yeah. And that's what and that's what I am thinking. And no, in, in same back at you that it's it's and I think that's why we connected so good that we shared a similar story and, you know, being able to, yeah, it could, it could have been easily said that, you know, well, my parents don't have enough money and my parents can't afford it. So now I just go, you know, I just go, I finish college, I mean, finish high school and I'm going to work. But, you know, we knew better than that. We knew what we wanted it. We wanted what we wanted to make um, ourselves. We wanted to make ourselves better. So I actually, I, I forgot to say that actually for me, 
I think back in the day too, when I didn't really know, you know, the four-year college, to me, my goal was go to a community college because I didn't know. And then as time progressed, and also in my having my counselor too, or perhaps um, I was in the STEM program in, in high school, perhaps was my uh, other mentor in, in the STEM program, that sh- they told me, why do you want to go to a two-year college? You should go to a four-year. And I, I think at the time I didn't understand. I think for me, it was the goal just to community college. But then they told me, no, you you have the capability to go to a four-year college. And then I was like, oh, okay. you know. But it was, it was a learning process. And I'm glad that you know, we found the people along the way to help us be where we are now. Yeah, no, for sure. So tell us about your career now as, um, as quality assurance. You said you were, you, you were a quality insurance engineer at a food company? Yeah. So tell us about that. How did you get into the food industry? Um, so I first, right out of college, I work at P&G and in Mihupani, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I have no idea where that is. Where is it? Yeah, it's like in the middle of nowhere. Um, I liked it. It was just for me personally. Um, I don't. For me, I think, and that's one something I always have in mind. I right now have to direct report. For me, it's very very important not only being a boss but being a leader, being someone who's gonna motivate my you know my employees. And when I started. The person that was training me, it was it. I just think it. They wasn't giving me. They didn't give me the chance to be like trained the, the a better way or the good way. And for me, it was. You know, I feel like you need to have like a good training program. And a lot of people stay, and also some people left. And I was one of the ones who left because I, I didn't feel like I could succeed. Maybe it was like in the back of my mind, but at that time. Now that I think it, about it, I feel like I could have, but at that time I just felt like, no, I can't do this. You know, this is impossible. So I unfortunately, for I mean, I, I, the way I look at it, fortunately, because if I didn't quit, I would still be in this town. I don't know, and not in New York City, which I feel like brings me so much joy because there's so much stuff to do, and I've been thriving in my current company. So I left. Um, took some time off a couple months and then I found this job in LinkedIn. I applied, um, went through three rounds because the person they had before just wasn't it. So they want to make sure like this person was going to be um, a better fit. So I went again and interview and stay there for 10 years. It's, it's, it's I know it's, it's a long time, but I feel like I started yesterday. Wow. I mean, that's a good feeling. It means you keep learning and, you know, you just yeah. continue to learn. So I know a lot of people um, have experienced job loss with COVID, right? Um, and that it is very difficult to find a career or find a job or so you went through a period of time where you were looking for a job, right? You left PNG and then you, you had some months that you were off that well, that might have been difficult or not, you know, but like, I guess I am curious what lessons you have that you can share with the audience in terms of, um, you know, finding a career, finding a, a, another job. Yeah. So when I left, I really felt like a failure. I felt like to me, p is such a big company. And I, even though I don't think anyone judged me by that, I felt people are going to judge me. How dare you leave 
a big company, um, you know, you're gonna to me that's how I felt. Even I felt very very low at my point because I feel that people I was so used to always starting something and finishing, and that was I think emotionally that was very tough for me. But as months went through, and now even now, how I felt at that time, I wasn't happy at a job. I was miserable and. If I show you a picture, you could see like I was raking out, I was so sad, you know, I feel like I had anxiety. Then I fast forward now and I'm in such a better place. And that's what I said, fortunately, unfortunately. And I'm glad I did because like I said, like I wouldn't be able to to be where I am now. And especially for the people that have lost their jobs, I was. I think five months with other job and I kept looking and looking and looking. And I think it really comes down to the fact that if you have health and you have enough savings, just you just have to trust in yourself that you're gonna find something better. And always pushing, you know, that I had other offers, but I had another offer lined up, but it was gonna be the same position. And I made a decision, no, that's the same thing I was doing. I don't wanna do it again. So that I, I kept looking and just have trust in yourself what you're worth. Um, I was at a low point, but then I started thinking, you know, I have done all this. And, and you start thinking like, maybe I wasn't a good fit here, but I'm definitely gonna be a better fit here. And where I am, I think I'm a better fit. I, I, I get along very well with my manager. And I think that's one of the important things to, you know, at a company that, you know, getting along with your coworkers, with your manager and, Thriving and you know now I'm a manager and managing two guys and they're so wonderful and they're younger obviously <laughs> they're younger than me so I'm always making sure that they don't go through what I went through and that's and I think and I can and I can say that they trust me well enough to like when they have issues like I want to talk to them what can I do better so it's it, it it's a good relationship and you know I thought I will never find that or I thought I was gonna just going back to a job that I was gonna quit. But just, just, it's mental, it's psychological. You really have to believe in yourself that you're gonna, you're gonna get something better because, and I think we might have talked about it, you know, in companies, you know, one day you have your job, the next day you don't. And, you know, unfortunately companies don't feel like, oh, well, today we're gonna fire this person. So it's like, it, it's a job. And what I learned is like, you have a career and yes, a career and a job is different. You know, you always want to look for other possibilities, but with a job, like one day you're here and one day you're not. So, you know, you just got to keep looking and, you know, something I, I'm always hopeful something better is going to come a long way. Did you, during that time, during those five months, did you leverage your network? Um, I know Rutgers has a strong network because anybody I've met from Rutgers is like, Rutgers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did. Um, um, I was active. Um, I was very active at Society Hispanic Professional Year, so I was going to a lot of their networking events. So that's why I kept looking through them and, you know, and thankfully I had worked with them at a regional level to, and they were they, right off the bat, they were like, we were gonna give you recommendation letters, don't worry about that. And so I was having, you know, they were, um, we're gonna write it on your LinkedIn, don't worry about it, like you'll get something better. And it's very interesting because as I started sharing my story, because at the beginning I was very ashamed, even though, I mean, now I think about it, it's like, 
I mean, everybody goes through failures, you know, nobody's perfect. But as I started talking, I found out one of my mentors at Rutgers, she told me, oh, I also quit my job because I didn't like it after three months and now she's a dean. So she's like, you know, like, because I, I, I used to talk to her a lot and, and I felt so sad and she's like, it happened to me. She's like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's, you know, that job wasn't for me. And if I wouldn't, if I would have stayed, I'd probably be, you know, in the same position, but no, I quit, got my master's, got my PhD, and now she's a dean and one of the school engineers. So it's, it's just like, yeah, so it's like, you know, one thing doesn't work out, but that doesn't mean that's the end of it. There's always other opportunities. Right. Uh, and it, it, based on like what you've shared from like high school to Rutgers to um, being in PNG and you know, deciding to quit and, and to be honest, really being brave enough not to do the same thing twice, because, you know, particularly when we find ourselves in a tight position, when you don't have a job and then an, an opportunity comes, sometimes we grow up with this mentality. And, and I feel like sometimes immigrants have this, and I definitely have this, where you're like, there is nada, right? <laughs> I know, I was, it was gonna, the thing is like, it was the same position, process engineer, being at a fact, in a, in a factory, and then I was like, okay, wait, the Guatemala, what the peor? No, I'm not going to do this. It's so Peruvian. <laughs> you know, I was, it was like the same exact title. And I was like, oh, no, I was like, no. And I actually had, when I, I had, when the other position was assigned to me, I had to negotiate because I was like, oh, you know, they want me over there, even though like, I don't want it, but they want me. <laughs> so, you know, you got to help me with the salary. So they right. were like very... They were very grateful with that. So I was like, okay, yeah. Right. And, and I was staying close into my parents. So yeah. that's what I like too. And that's important. Um, but I do want to also highlight that you seem to also have find mentors throughout your journey. Are you intentional with that or is it locked? Like, how do you approach finding those mentors? It was luck. I really think, I mean, I feel like I, I connect, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to say like, oh, un million de amigos, but I feel like I am able to connect. <laughs> I mean, some people say, you just have friends everywhere. But I, I feel like I'm able to connect with people and I just start like a, a friendship and then they, you know, they're older than me and then like they tell me um, their stories and I just, okay, you know, so it's, I mean, when my mentor from Rutgers, she's a dean, uh, Dean Eileen, um, she was actually the advisor for the Society Hispanic Professional um, Engineers chapter at Rutgers. So that's how I met her. And she's seen me at my lowest, at my highest with the organization. So I knew her. So it was very easy for me to talk to her. And then when I became a regional leader for SHEP, um, you have a regional student leader and then you have a regional vice president. So it's student and um, a professional now like in the field. and. Dora, she was like so nice. And she's actually one of the ones who wrote me a recommendation letter. Actually, she reached out to her. I haven't talked to her in a while. <laughs> but she, we, we got to connect because we had to, because it was regional, Puerto Rico was part of it too, region four. So we had, we got to travel together to Puerto Rico and we stay in the same room. So it was like very easy to like connect. So I, I mean, it, it's just, it, I think it just, by luck it happened and I'm glad it did because otherwise I wouldn't have met this wonderful people. Wow. Uh, so I want to take it back to the beginning 
right? Coming to the US. Because now we've learned who you are now, what you do as a career, sort of like a little bit of your high school story. But I am super curious about coming to the US. Why did your parents choose to come to the US? Why not like Europa, right? (laughs) No, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, And also tell me about like, how you as a 13 year old, you know, when they told you, like, how did you react? What was that, you know, process like? What was your last day in Peru like? Yeah, I'm curious about all of that. Thank you for joining Deli and I in this conversation where she shares her trajectory to becoming an engineer. Tune in this Friday to listen to the second half of this conversation to learn more about her immigration story. All right, talk to you then. listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I look forward to connecting with you there. And remember, el mejor amigo de un peruano es otro peruano. Chao.